0: For me, it's never been about the money. You know, people say, Are you making money from a podcast? If you're not making money, you should quit. And I'm like, dude, it's I don't care about the money. The, The what drove me to continue to do my podcast was I genuinely wanted to talk to amazing people. And I'm like, dude, if I'm talking to these people, I gotta share this out. Like I'm talking with fighters, I'm talking with entrepreneurs, like, you know, for that show. And I'm like, dude, I'm just gonna keep going. I love having these conversations. I love networking. I love connecting with people. And I'm just going to keep putting it out. And here we are, you know, I'm continuing every week, every Saturday morning, I drop a new show and every Friday morning, the Eric Allen show drops, you know? And so I love talking with new people and and that's what drives me. And yes, now I've been able to monetize it, but at first, uh, you know, I sucked. I wasn't making any money. I think any new podcaster out there realizes, or they have to realize that you're going to suck for a long time before you start to get it down. And the more shows that you put out, the better that you're going to get, man.
1: Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. And we had to go all the way to the West Coast for you, ladies and gentlemen, today. I got my man, Eric Allen, in with me. Eric, how are things out West?
0: Uh, Amazing, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show, man. Truly an honor.
1: Wow. So... Where exactly are you, my brother?
0: I'm in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, about 100 miles from Canada, and I'm tucked in between Washington and Montana. So if I go 35 miles one way, I'm in Washington, 35 miles the other way, I'm in Montana.
1: I was just out in Montana, man. It was crazy out there. Oh, you, you were? What We went to Bozeman and oh, yeah. down to Yellowstone. and Nice. We went to <laughs> it's a few other buildings. We didn't go all the way to Billings, but towards Billings and went up into the caverns. It was It was pretty cool. I mean, different part of the country, first time out there. So it was really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the American flag behind you. You got the huge beard. Like, (laughs) who is Eric Allen?
0: Man, that's such a great question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that before. I think for me, man, my purpose is just to break those chains of addiction, abuse, and rejection that was passed on to me and change the legacy of my kids and my family so that we can. You know really just start making impact on the world man and so had to go through the troubles as, as a youth and now we're here just trying to put smile on people's faces man
1: Did you <laughs> You got a crazy story so <laughs> i mean we, we're gonna have to unpack this thing right yeah. you i heard you talk a little bit about like sleeping in a garage and like a really really cold part of the winter in a really yeah. really cool part of the country so i gave them kind of the Climax of this thing, but how did we get there, E?
0: Yeah, you know, so I grew up in Eastern Washington and really what I thought was a typical household. You know, went to Sunday school. I played Little League. My dad would literally take my best friend Dave and I and throw us in dumpsters behind stores and say, go find treasure. Like that was just the, the typical Saturday morning for us kids. It was like awesome to jump into a big dumpster and go try to find something, you know? And then my parents got divorced when I was 11. I'd never heard that word before, I didn't have any friends that had parents that were divorced it was really big a shocker to me at that moment. you know my parents, I don't remember them ever arguing that much. I know that my dad at the time was drinking he had you know I would find vodka bottles out in the garage and stuff like that but it wasn't like I ever saw him hit her or anything like that but they got a divorce my mom gets together with this guy who was very physically abusive almost immediately. I, I mean I feel like it was like almost like the first date that they went on. he was abusive and my mom stayed with him. And I remember there's times where they were arguing and I'd be like looking in through the back window of the house, you know, into their bedroom, and he'd be hitting her with a cordless phone. I mean, just crazy that the cops would show up. My mom would never press charges. And so it was just, I didn't understand that. And then they did the smart thing, they got pregnant and they decided to move from eastern Washington where we live to small town Stevensville, Montana which was population 1,200 people. They rented a house on five acres and you know beautiful property, ponds and lots of acreage, and then right by the Bitterroot River so we could jump in the river if we wanted to. But the house they rented was three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my little brother who was just a couple months old at the time, and then one for my sister who's four years younger than me. And they said, Eric, you get to live in the garage. So I literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that pulled in. I did have a fireplace on my half of the garage they kept me semi warm during those winters when it would get down to like negative degrees. I remember, you know, being like 10 layers deep of blankets during the winter, trying to like get through. And you know, it's just crazy. But you know, there was this night where they came home and they're arguing, wasn't anything different than any other night? And I was brushing my teeth. But as I was brushing my teeth, I felt like God was telling me, dude, you got to check out what's going on because there's some serious stuff. So I turn around and the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage where I was staying. And in that pantry way, he's on top of my mom just boom, 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 one shot after the other. I'm like, dude, I got to stop this guy. So I walked up behind him and I grabbed a cast iron pan from the cupboard and I swung as hard as I could and I split, split the back of his head open. And he turned around and he said, what the... And as he said that, I took another swing and split his forehead open. And I had fallen over from that last swing. I'd swung so hard and it still didn't knock him out. He was so drunk. He's standing up over me. He's bleeding down his face and he's starting to yell. My mom jumps up, lands like six punches in a row. Blood splats on the wall, right? I mean, cops show up, take to jail. My mom doesn't press charges. And then I'm kicked out of the house at that point. I have three months left in my freshman year of high school. I was just bouncing around from friends. And that basically set me on this path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life.
1: (sighs) Kudos to you for standing up for your mom. Thank you. (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, I I don't think the strength of a man is to impose as well on women. Right. We're supposed to provide and protect yes. not intimidate and harm so yeah that's major and so that built up the courage you go down this path of kind of couch surfing, and spending time with friends and then i think you land in a place where family kind of takes you in so you can finish out high school right
0: yeah i moved back to live with my dad in washington and so he rented a house for us and it was interesting because he would put like hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal milk in the house and put 20 bucks in the cup and that was my lunch money for the week. So I had five bucks a day to go get lunch and I would go to school. And I wasn't like someone who'd skip school. I always showed up to school, but I was smoking pot before school, during, you know, at lunch and then after school, and then started getting into mushrooms and acid and, you know, morphine from, co- you know, dextromorphine morphine, cough syrup and stuff like that. So I was always taking some sort of drug or something to get me high during high school. And it caught up with me when I was 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong. Which is funny, in 1998, it was illegal, but it's legal there in the state now. But yeah, I had to go to jail, black and white chain gang outfit on, man. I was only there for 24 hours, but it was super scary. You know, bright orange slippers. And then two weeks after I graduated high school, I woke up to a post-it note on the mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. And so between that 48-hour marker, I basically found a place to live. But between 18 and 21, I moved 21 times. I was living on couches of friends here, or three days there, four days there. You know, I had a hundred dollars in my pocket when I was 20 years old, I moved to Seattle and again, couch surfing, stuff like that. And then, you know, got into the music business, but you know, that time when I was kind of moving around, I was left off credit cards. So by the time I'm 21, I'm $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy, you know? So then I'm like landed this job in music business with universal records, spent two years really managing a band and one year with universal records. So this two year span, I went to about 175 concerts. Live the rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. I don't know how to play anything, but I was involved in like the sales and marketing side. And one year anniversary of my universal job, I got laid off during the Napster days, which would you know killed the industry if people remember Napster? And then it just sent me into more depression, man. It was it was pretty crazy for the next, you know, a couple of years.
1: Yeah. And so I, I do remember your story. And there's a moment where you're like, hey, I don't want to be old and still doing this. And so yeah, This for me was a red pill moment in your journey. And so if you would, let's talk about being at the concert and yeah. seeing the young lady.
0: Dude, I was in my early, I think I was 23. I was at a concert in downtown Seattle. And I remember seeing this girl that was a music rep for another label. And she wasn't old by any means, but she was in her 30s, older than me at the time. And I just remember seeing her going, man, I don't want to be her age going to a concert every night of the week or three nights a week. I want to have a family. I want to, you know, have this wife and have kids and things like that. And it was just this weird moment that I remember so specifically. I all of the other concert I went to very blurry, right? Because I was just drinking. But there was that one moment that I think really opened my eyes to all right, what path am I really on?
1: And so that started to change in your world. And you gave up this kind of dream of living a rock star life and started down a different path.
0: Yeah. I think that the path started to, you know, come together for a different route. And You know, when I got laid off, I went into kind of depression. I was working at Starbucks at night and I'd get off work and go get a six pack of beer and then go to my ghetto apartment there across the street from where Jimi Hendrix is buried in Renton, Washington, you know, and like drink myself to sleep. And one night, this girl walked into Starbucks and doesn't drink coffee. And she says, hey, we've got this cool college age event down in our church. Would you be interested in going? You know, and for me, I didn't have any friends. I was depressed. She's really good looking. Absolutely. What time do I need to be there? You know, that was going through my mind. So I go down there and I ended up knowing all these guys from there like, dude, I haven't seen you in five years. I haven't seen you in seven years. And they're from the other side of the state. So I think in that moment, God was starting to plant a seed because a month later is Easter 2004 and, and went out and partied with this band that I was managing. Woke up Easter morning, surrounded by probably 15 guys in my buddy's basement. And it was about five o'clock in the morning. And I felt God say, dude, you're going down this path that's going to end your life real quick if you don't start making some changes. So I decided in that moment to give my life to Christ. And I quit cold turkey drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And I called that girl up and I got her voicemail and said, Hey, happy Easter. Maybe I'll see you at the Starbucks sometime. A month later, we were dating and now we've been married for almost 17 years.
1: So she was an angel for you. For
0: sure. And I've said that since day one. She was the angel that came into my life, man. And yeah, it's been a a fun journey. She came from a kind of a crazier household as well. So we kind of knew what we didn't want in marriage, right? But we came in bringing junk with us too. Like I came in being defensive because I was always blamed for stuff and I had to work through that. And, you know, I ended up going to, Counseling and stuff like that after we first got married because I wanted to figure out what the heck? Why, why do I why do I feel like defensiveness all the time? You know, and you know, we spent the first five years just us. We didn't have kids, we traveled, we camped out, we went down to Mexico twice to build homes for people. Like we just wanted to get to know each other. And then after five years, we had our kids, and now my kids are 11
1: and 8, man. Wow. Wow. So it's really taking time to build a solid foundation for so- sure. What's really interesting is, and the thing that kind of excites me is, like, you had an intentional move to end the cycle of the domestic violence. You said, hey, I don't want that. I want this instead. And even though you didn't have a model for it, you've been able to create it, best I can tell.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way that I was able to do that was when I decided to give my life to Christ, I called my buddies and I was like, dude, I got to get sober. I got to get healthy. And the cool thing was they were like, dude, absolutely get better. Those guys are still my friends today. I took about six months off from going to the bar, from hanging out with them. And what I did was I replaced that time with guys at the church that I had met that had successful businesses, that had successful marriages and successful walks with Christ. And so I almost without realizing I was interviewing them. So I said, dude, can I take you out to coffee? I want to understand your story. How did you get to where you're at? How are you sustaining what you're doing? And I just surrounded myself with the right people that were really feeding into me and helping, encouraging me and helping me to realize that my past and other people's opinions don't define my future. And I can make that change at any moment, just like I did. And once I did, I set a new target, a new goal, and I just kept going and we're still going on that goal today.
1: Path of making dreams a reality. So... What was it that made you like receptive to her? Like, I'm sure many women have come and gone, but what allowed her to just come in and intervene in your life at that moment? Because that was pivotal. I mean, it changed everything for you, I think.
0: Yeah, it did. It it definitely changed my life. You know, yeah, I met lots of people would come in and out of the Starbucks all the time, but I'd never been invited and never, I was kind of like this, I guess, rocker guy. still am, I guess, sort of, but like, didn't have the beard, but I had long sideburn chops, right? And I would wear my shorts and, you know, black socks. And just like, I was like the dude that just kind of hung up on myself. I put headphones in and, you know, I'd work and that was my job and that was it. And I'd I'd get off work and go back to my ghetto apartment. So I'd never really engaged with many of my customers outside of that moment. And so when she asked me, I felt like it was a a God thing. One, that she was asking me. But two, it was just cool that like someone was actually engaging with me, right? You know, and so then we just got to talking and you know i think you know i'd asked her she lasted but i said would you like to get some dinner that was my invite to her for asking her out on our first date and she thinks that's the funniest like redneck thing i could ever say but it worked right (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome It worked, yeah right i mean like i'm the shy guy typically not like i don't like to put myself in positions where i'm going to fail at that time right you know so I was just like, hey, would you like to get some dinner? And, and she just thought, man, that's, that's so redneck of you to say. But yep, absolutely, let's do it.
1: <laughs> Super authentic and genuine. I think she appreciated that. So, yeah. you know, most people would hide a lot of the stuff that you brought up in the, you know, first 10 minutes of this thing. What makes you so comfortable sharing in that way?
0: It took me a long time. It took me a long time. I'm 41 now. I didn't share my story till I was 39. And I held on to that shame and embarrassment. And I didn't want to tell people about my story because I felt like I was the only one that ever experienced something like that. And people aren't going to relate to me. If I share my story, people are going to think of different of me. They're going to judge me. And I came across a guy named Pete Vargas about two years ago when I was 39. And he was talking about, man, you have to share your story. You have to make an impact. And he was a TEDx talker guy. And I just started going through this five-day challenge that he did for free online. I was like, man, maybe I should release my story. And so I did like, if you watch the first testimonial video I released on YouTube, it's like eight minutes long and it's very awkward. Like I'm kind of like the shy guy, even though it's, there's nobody watching. I wasn't like live. I just recorded the video and I took my wife and said, what do you think? Can I share this? Should I share this? And she's like, I think it's good that you share that. But we have to realize too that people that you are maybe talking about are going to see that and then people might judge you. Like some of your family members might get pissed that you're sharing that story. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put it out anyways because I feel like I need to get this out. I need to get this off my chest. And once I put it out there, it was scary to do it. But then as soon as I hit upload, it was like, whew, man, huge weight off my shoulders. And it's been a great communication tool for other people. People have reached out to me and said, man, I went through that same sort of stuff, man. Thank you for sharing your story.
1: So you turned your mess into a message. I Absolutely.
0: Love it. Absolutely. So-
1: You've got this big show, top-rated MMA. How does MMA tie into your past and kind of helping you build this future that you've been creating over the past 17 years or so?
0: I think it started at a really early age. My dad always rented like Mike Tyson pay-per-views and things like that. And so he would rent ninja movies that had no English, just subtitles. We would watch those all the time as a kid. I mean, every ninja movie out there that, is probably not even available anymore, but it was just like subtitles had no idea what they're saying, but it was cool to watch these ninjas fight. You know, my dad would take me to WWF events when I was a kid. So Hulk Hogan, ultimate warrior, macho, man, all those guys i have seen live. And he would take me out to local, you know, regional wrestling where we got to see Jake, the snake is it, you know, upcoming and, you know, Dustin Rhodes and all that. And I think I was a ninja for Halloween for like 15 years straight, man. Like that was just my thing. Always being a ninja, man. And so as I remember this moment when I was in first grade, my cousin and I in Prosser, Washington, two super tiny town, we would rent UFC one and two on VHS. And we'd walk back to his house when we put that in, we'd be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, right? So I've always been this fan of combat sports. 2012, I started Topper and May as an apparel company. My wife came up with a name and it took off really fast and then it dropped really quick. And so at 2015, I was really bored with the company. I was like, I'm not making money. I'm not excited about it. I put an ad in Craigslist and said, I'm giving up. Who wants to buy this company? One guy calls me up and he starts to offer me a couple grand. And in that call, they said I wasn't ready to quit. So I spent the next year kind of ho-humming through the business, just like, nah, whatever. And then in 2017, I launched the Top Rated podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I just want to talk to a fighter and ask him, why do you want to get in cage and get punched in the face? I had bad camera, bad microphone, bad lighting. I was in a walk-in closet for almost my 100, first 100 episodes. And I didn't even look into the camera. I was like all over the place, right? <laughs> you know? And it was so much fun to do, but I had no idea what I was doing. And it was really cool. And here we are, episode like at this point, over 240 episodes have dropped now and considered the number one MMA podcast out here in the Northwest, man. That's
1: crazy. And so how did you even know what a podcast was back then? Like. the funny thing is I didn't, I had no idea. I
0: didn't even know Apple or Spotify existed. I was just uploading to YouTube and uploading to Facebook. That's it. I was just doing video. And then someone's like, Hey, how can I listen to your podcast on Apple? And I was like, what the heck is that dude? And finally, I was like, Oh crap. Like literally it was like after episode 100 had come out. Had I started to figure out, okay, now I can actually upload the audio version. Wow. That's cool. And it opened up a whole new door of audience. Right. (laughs) This is amazing.
1: So when did you realize, because I mean, in your closet for a hundred episodes, most podcasts make maybe 10, they don't yeah. get a hundred downloads in with the 10, right? but I mean, you've had thousands and tens of thousands of downloads at this point. So what made you keep going when nobody was paying attention? Because I mean, everybody starts at zero.
0: Yeah. For me, it's never been about the money. You know, people will say, are you making money from a podcast? If you're not making money, you should quit. And I'm like, dude, it's. I don't care about the money. The the, what drove me to continue to do my podcast was I genuinely wanted to talk to amazing people. And I'm like, dude, if I'm talking to these people, I got to share this out. Like I'm talking with fighters, I'm talking with entrepreneurs, like, you know, for that show. And I'm like, dude, I'm just gonna keep going. I love having these conversations. I love networking. I love connecting with people. And I'm just gonna keep putting it out. And here we are, you know, I'm continuing every week, every Saturday morning. I drop a new show, and every Friday morning the Eric Allen show drops, you know, and so. I love talk with new people and, and that's what drives me. And yes, now I've been able to monetize it. but at first, you know I sucked. I wasn't making any money. I think any new podcaster out there realizes or they have to realize that you're gonna suck for a long time before you start to get it down. And the more shows that you put out, the better that you're gonna get, man.
1: So what was your worst fear in the process? like whether it's deciding not to sell the business, like you've got this person that came into your life and for five years you guys are figuring it out. But at some point you realize like, she's counting on you. She's depending on you. So, yep. you know, what's kind of been your worst fear in this evolution from this path of destruction to one of creating what I think is real impact in the world?
0: Yeah, I think for me, the, the big moment was, you know, my biggest fear was not being able to provide and protect my wife and my kids, you know. I always wanted to, my wife, she always wanted to kind of be that stay-at-home mom with our kids and be able to raise them and not have to put them in a daycare. And so my goal was to always do that, was to be able to make enough money so that she could stay home and do that. And when my wife was seven months pregnant, I got laid off from my job. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. My mortgage is 2300 plus bucks a month. And I just got laid off. And my wife is still working. Like she's got two months left and then she's having the baby and I don't have a job. <laughs> I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this. And so what I did was I just went into like hardcore work, no stop, non-negotiable mode. And I went back to work at Starbucks. I had taken five years off and went back into sales and was making good money, but I got laid off. And I was like, I need a job. So I went back to work at Starbucks. I was working from 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then I'd go home and sleep from about 9.30 to 11.30. And then I would go to work at Trader Joe's from 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. And I did that six days a week for six months straight. So I was splitting five hours of sleep. For six months. And I would only see my wife on Sundays because I would go to bed and wake up when she was asleep or, or not home. And so it was crazy. But I knew that if I worked through that, if I pushed through it, doors would open up. And I kept going and kept going. Finally got a job that was able to provide. And my wife was able to come home when my daughter was six months old. Wow.
1: Wow. So did you want to quit? Like, Was it easy to do that?
0: No, it sucked.
1: <laughs> and
0: yeah, there was days where I was like, man, this really sucks. I was like, it was a good thing that I worked at Starbucks because the first thing that I would do when I get in there at 4 a.m. is take four shots. Right. Like I need to wake up because I'm only literally sleeping three hours between my shift at Trader Joe's and then my shift at, at Starbucks. And I knew that there was days that were most of the days sucked because I was working so long and I hated it. And I wasn't seeing my wife except for on Sundays. And But I knew that if I just kept going, kept going and kept applying, kept putting myself out there to other jobs and kept putting myself into other positions where people might notice me and notice my hard work, the doors would open, God would provide. And sure enough, he did. And And that kind of opened up the door to some other opportunities, which now moved us out to Idaho. And it's been fun, man.
1: What's up, Tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Wow. And so was that the rock bottom or was there a different situation for you that you would consider rock bottom? I think rock bottom
0: for me was really hitting bankrupt. Bankrupt for me, like I made a lot of mistakes. No one ever told me not to do credit cards, or no one ever told me that you have to pay that bill on time every month, right? Like I knew that I was supposed to, but like no one ever told me that what would happen if I didn't, right? So I was always late on that stuff. And I think when I finally got to the point where I was like, dude, I have no choice. I can't afford my bills. I've got massive amounts of credit card people calling me on the daily, like, hey, when are you going to pay us? When are you going to pay us? And I had no other choice. And I literally had to have my, at the time it was an uh, Audi something. Anyways, it was one of the nicest cars that I ever had. And when I filed bankruptcy, the bank had to like literally come and tow it off of my driveway. And I remember watching that thing go away and I was like, I have no vehicle. I have no debt, but I just filed bankruptcy. I don't have a job. Like, how do I get through this? My dad graciously paid like a 1200 bucks or 1500 bucks for this me to have this really junky car that I could just get to and from for with work that the driver's side door didn't even lock like I drove that thing and would just like and I think the window like stayed up all the time like so I couldn't roll it down in the hot and it just blew heat no AC like it was crazy but I think that was that low point where that was my breaking point you know I was in my ghetto apartment driving that junky car that was my low point for sure
1: how'd you get out of it
0: man, is that it was right before I met my wife when she invited me to that church event. And then I think my eyes started to open up. Like, you know, Ed Milet, he talks about if you go hang around guys that are like walking around at 200 degrees and you're walking around like 80 degrees, you're kind of depressed. You don't have enough confidence. Just being in their presence is going to lift you up, man. So I always say you got to get uncomfortable to go get like this sweet spot to get successful you've got to get uncomfortable so go hang around people that are doing and living the life that you want to live and so whether that's like putting yourself out a networking group or even contacting people on a facebook group hanging around those guys texting them get around folks that are going to lift you up and i'm not saying like kiss your butt but just being their presence of what they're doing and successful is going to fire you up and motivate you to to make your life better and i think that's what i had to do i had to hang around guys that were living the life that I wanted. Guys that had that successful marriage, successful business, were successful entrepreneurs, were, you know, walking in Christ with a successful relationship with God, you know, that type of stuff. I had to get out of that junk environment and get around people that were going to, that are living life I wanted to.
1: Was it scary to leave behind the old friends and places that you frequented?
0: <laughs> a little bit. I mean, a little bit like, but I think at first, it was like, oh, now I kind of miss you know going to the concerts and going to bars. And not that I I don't think concerts are bad because I I love live music and I miss going to live music because this whole COVID thing. But you know, I think I just had to take this break and it was a little scary going. Okay, now what do I do with my days? Like, what do I do with my weekends now? And once I was like, okay, I've got these guys that are like killing life right now. They're doing awesome. I want to go and hang out with those guys if it's going to the driving range or going to the shooting range or just going to grab coffee with these guys. Like I need to start filling my days with that. And it was a little scary to kind of put yourself out there and always is. But I think if anybody out there is like feeling like they're stuck, man, if they can just get just a little bit of courage to get up and go talk to somebody that is living that life they want, or in that group of people that they want, it's going to open up and you'll just build confidence. Just making that first step. (laughs)
1: He's giving me the keys to success, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, you got to pay attention. So Eric, you know, in all this, like you did damage to your body because you were medicating and soothing and trying to get rid of some of the pain. What have you done for health in order to make sure that you're in peak performance shape?
0: Man, that's a great question. And I'm actually in like progress right now on putting myself back into shape. But in 2020, it was a rough year for a lot of people. For me, it was probably one of my better years that I've had physically. I remember when I was turning 40 years old in 1999, I was like, I want to be in the best shape by the time I'm 40 years old. I want to be down in 175. And my birthday came and I was still weighed 200 pounds. I was like, man, this sucks. So I decided in 2020 that I was going to get down and be the best shape of 41 year old I've ever seen. And so I started working out and I did 45 minutes of cardio for like six days straight. And then I missed a day and I was pissed. I was like, dude, why are you quitting already? It's only been a week. And so I said, all right, we're not going to quit this time. And I restarted and I went 120 days straight, 45 minutes of cardio. And I cut out every junk food I could think of. No chocolate, no chips, no fries, nothing. I was eating proteins, chicken, you know, salad. I was eating lots of fruit and veggies. And at, after 90 days, I dropped from 200 to 168 pounds and then continued that healthy. So it, one, mentally, I had to push myself so hard to, to make that happen. Even going on vacations, I wasn't missing a workout. I was going out to running to the mountains that didn't have a workout facility. I just ran around this track as much as I could for 45 minutes and I'm not a runner, but that helped me stay committed to what I set myself out to. Now, what I did was I stopped working out because I was trying to work on these courses that of course I didn't put out and I kind of put some more weight on. So now I literally just in this last couple of weeks, I said, all right, now it's time to get back into that. Like, I don't know if I'll cut back to 168, but I do want to get down to like 175, 180. And, and that's where I'm at, man. You know, I'm waking up 4 a.m. six days a week and working out, man.
1: Six days a week. Are you doing any meditation or anything to help your mental reading the Bible? What, what's going on there?
0: Yeah. So I'm big on morning routines, man. So, you know, if I open my eyes, there's win number one. And if I jump out of bed and I make my bed, there's two wins in 15 seconds, man. You got to stack those wins to make it a successful day. And so immediately, I have to consciously go, man, I opened my eyes today. It's going to be an awesome day. I, I get to see my family again, right? So if we can all just wake up and go, man, I open my eyes. I'm still here. I get to like make an impact on people. And so if we can realize that and we start to stack those wins... So I get up and I do that. And then I come up to my office and I created a vision wall. Literally my entire wall of my office is my vision wall. My vision's too big for a board. you know. So I started going through adding quotes and adding photos and adding the property that I want and adding the people that I want to meet. And I out loud speak to that wall every day. It's a non-negotiable. I'm talking to my family. I'm reading those quotes out loud. I'm talking to those people like I am statements. And I'm going through that. And then I go through th- these affirmations. And the whole time I've got worship music playing And then, what I do is I sit down at my desk and I just close my eyes and I just start praying. And for me, prayer is about being grateful for the things that I have. You know, man, I have this life. I have health. I have a house. I have paid off vehicles. You know, like we're debt free, this type of stuff. God, continue to open those doors of opportunities for me to make an impact. And then I read some Bible. And that's kind of my morning routine. And that really helps me set the tone of the day. And I kind of have this personal goal that I set, like, I, every single day, I want to try to put a smile on one person's face, at least whether that's virtually or in person. So if I'm out at the store, I want to call them by their name, right? Like I, they have a name tag on reason. It's not just to like, you know, for that reason, it's not just to like be the Karen and go rat on them or, you know, you know, complain. Like I want to lift somebody up when they're checking me out at the store or they're my waiter, man, like we should be talking to those guys. They're working hard. They're there. And so that's really my passion is to just put a smile on someone's face, man.
1: That's epic. I never even considered that. You just shifted a perspective for me there. So it's interesting. You you rattled down the things that you're you're super grateful for. You recently met a guy named Greg Reed and you went out to Cali to spend some time with him. And you and I are going to be together not too long from now in the same space. So, But the story that goes with that's pretty cool. So you don't have to get into the numbers or anything, but... Just share with the listeners, you know, how seeking a different network is paying off for you.
0: It, it was huge. So I was on Clubhouse, which I haven't been on for a while. But earlier this year, I was on Clubhouse and came across Greg Reed. And I reached out to him on Instagram and said, hey, I'd love to have him on my show as a, as a guest. And he said, absolutely. And I was like, kind of shocked. i was like, this guy's got like 500,000 followers on Instagram. How's he like, he's responding to me, you know? And so
1: it we got now? to,
0: right. Yeah, million, yeah. Right. So we were, we were chatting. And so he's like, yeah. So I had him on my show and he's got this event called secret knock. So I asked him about the event. It, you have to actually apply. They don't give you much information about it. They just give you the date and the city, right? That's it. And so I asked him about that. And then I got done with the call and he messaged me on Instagram. He said, Eric, you're in, we'll see you in September. And I was like, what? I had no idea. Like, why would he invite me to this event? You know, like one, it's going to cost me money and I don't have any money, but I got to talk. And I'm like, man, here's this opportunity that's been set in front of me. If I don't take advantage of this opportunity or jump on it right now, I'm going to, I could miss the opportunity of my life. And so I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to pay for the event. And so I said, Greg, if I paid off by the end of April, then that's my goal, just so you know. And so I, I put some money down and I said, I'll pay it off by the end of April. And so I worked as hard as I could. I'd never made more than like 500 bucks in a year online. I just never paid attention to the monetization. But over a month time, I made over twenty five hundred bucks online, and I was able to pay for that the rest of that event. And I was like, "Whoa, awesome!" Right? Like, then I did that, and Greg said, "Dude, awesome job! I would like you to come down to my Prosperity Camp event in July on me. If you can get down there, you're going." Usually, that ticket's seventy five hundred bucks. And so I was like, "Dude, here's another opportunity. It's been put in front of me. I've got to get this thing together." So I started putting money together, started making money online, like you know, doing talks, voiceover work and, you know, doing brand videos and stuff like that, that I'm able to generate that income from. And I was able to pay. And I went down there bare bones. I paid for my airline tickets with with miles. So I paid 21 bucks or something like that return, you know, round trip, stayed at the cheapest hotel, Motel 6. I haven't seen a Motel 6 since I was a kid, man. I got there and the guy across the street where I'm getting breakfast goes, you're staying at the Motel 6? Bro, you got to be careful. You know, like one of those motels, you know? And I was like, it was like a mile and a half from Greg's house. I was just going to walk there, save money. So I didn't have to take the Uber. And his team actually found out that I was doing that and or planned to do that. And they said, dude, we'll just pick you up. So they picked me up and they took me there and all that stuff, man. But I think if we can, we see this goal, we get an opportunity, we have to seize it. But then you got to do whatever it takes to get there. like Take massive action, whatever it takes. And you keep going for that and the opportunities will continue to open.
1: That's crazy. But that, com- that level of commitment is the thing that gets a different result, just like being yeah. able to go 100 days of cardio. Early. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. So has there been anything while you've been on this journey that's tried to pull you back into your old world?
0: No. I mean, I've never had a desire to, to go back to drinking or anything like that. Now, there are days where I feel like I, I wake up and I'm, I don't want to wake up at 4 a.m., right? I might have stayed up too late, like go back to the routine of just being sleeping in, right? And not that morning, either a night person or a morning person. So I'm not saying that morning is better than night. But for me, I used to sleep in till 12 o'clock, right? Like I would stay up really late and then get up. And there's days, I think, where I do feel like You know, being lazy, right? I don't want to wake up at 4 a.m. on a Saturday morning. But what I have to realize is no matter how late I stay up on Friday, if I get up at 4 a.m., I'm staying committed to myself. So you have to make a commitment to yourself and then stick to that. And if you get off of that commitment, you got to be so pissed that you're going to get back and get back on it in like hardcore. And there's days when I don't feel like waking up at 4 a.m., but I think that's the only thing that's really kind of tried to sway me from my path is being tired. But I know that. Here's the thing is my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep. And so whatever it takes for me to get up and stay committed to myself, that's what I've got to do.
1: (laughs) That was a jab, man. Right. (laughs) Because a lot of people, they're like, man, I don't really feel like doing that, but are you more committed to your success or the comfort?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Coffee is my friend, you know, (laughs) but you know, get up, work out and stay committed, man. And don't get off of that path. Like I said, you know when I started working out last year, I missed that day. And I was so mad that I was like, Ooh, I'm doing this for 120 days. And I was mad the fact that I stopped off and I stopped working out and I put on some more weight, you know, then so I'm now in this mode right now where I'm, I'm fired up, man. I'm like, I want to get back down to where I was at. I want to stay committed to working out. I want to start eating right, eating healthy again and not take time away from that. You know, I wake up before him because that's that time where I can just be me. I can work out. I can work my personal development. I can draw close to God. My family are sleeping. And then at five o'clock in the afternoon, I can go see them. I'm not eating into my family time if I wake up early. You know, I have to pull that time in. And, and then five o'clock, it's time for family, you know?
1: So what's the biggest difference between your life today and say 20 years ago? Biggest single difference?
0: I didn't have an end goal in my 20s. I was living in the moment and really seriously thought that my life would probably end sometime in the 30s, You know, when I was in my 30s, just because I was at this point where I was drugging it up hard. I was drinking. I was partying. I had no end goal. I had no motivation to go out and do anything. And I didn't have any drive. I was just like, you know what? This is life. This is what has been handed to me. And I'm just going to deal with it. And I'm probably going to die sometime in my 30s from drug overdose or something like that. That was my mindset. And now I think my dreams and goals have shifted a little bit, right? So now I've got a wife and a kids I've got to protect and I've got to provide for. And my end goal is to have this property, you know, and, and not just to say I've got this property, but to say, man, my kids and my grandkids, and my great grandkids can all come to this property and escape from whatever craziness is going on in the world. I want that property to just be that one place where the Allen tribe can continue to go and just rest and relax and draw close to each other and to God. You know, and I've got this funny thing on my vision wall, but people walk in my office, they think it's the funniest thing. But it's so true that if I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. Like that's the property that I want, you know? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> i had one of those I, I know i know what that feels like it's amazing especially when people are crammed in like sardines in a lot of places it's having your privacy at home is is pretty valuable you don't yeah. need any curtains or blinds or anything you can just come and hang out do what you need to do
0: right absolutely yeah i'm grateful for my wife grateful that she had the courage to walk up to a kid a young guy at starbucks that probably was depressed and you know, and she had the courage to invite me to a church event. Like, that's not easy to, you know, just walk up to somebody and say, Hey, would you like to go to this event? And I'm so grateful for her. She's, she's really like the rock that's in this marriage and and takes care of me and my kids so much. Did you ever ask
1: her why she asked you?
0: You know, I, I, you know, that's funny. I haven't, I I think like she'd come into the store, but I, we'd never talked. Right. So maybe she had just seen me at the store. Like she had, you know, talked, came in and bought like iced tea and stuff like that. Like I'd seen her in the store before. So I, I don't know if it was just like, God put a, uh, a seed in her to say, Hey,
1: go talk to this guy.
0: Right. You know, but that's a great question. I should probably ask her, but you know, I'm glad that she did. and glad she had the courage to, to invite me to this event.
1: Yeah. Eric, what dream are you most focused on catching next?
0: My dream is to be a full-time entrepreneur. So I still work a full-time job. And I would love to make a bigger impact through my story, a bigger impact through motivating people, through public speaking, through voiceover, content creation and stuff like that. And really still like have that consistent income so that I can provide my family, but really have that property. You know, and not that that property is like that's an end goal and that's what I want. And that whether I get it or not, that's not what makes life happy, right? It's like that's the goal and awesomeness. But I think that big dream for me right now is to be able to walk away from a full-time nine to five job and say, you know what? I have the freedom. I have the choice to do what I want. I don't have to ask for permission to go to my kid's softball game or go to my kid's school assembly or things like that. So at some point, that's my big dream is to be able to walk away and go, you know what? This is this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not underneath anybody else's. I'm now providing for myself and providing for my family on my own. I'm not relying on anyone else to just be, you know, the boss man. And I get that, some people don't want to be entrepreneurs, but for me personally, that's in my heart. It's fired up and that's my end goal.
1: What has to happen in order for you to be able to do that?
0: I think consistent income to replace what I've got. And, you know, we're getting there. This has been the biggest year that I've been able to do online in regards to sales and income online and just for myself. And so I think for me, it's about putting myself in the right position to be able to seek those opportunities that are given and not pass up opportunities that are coming my way in regards to, hey, here's an opportunity where you could impact somebody. And if the money comes, great. But like that opportunity, I have to put myself out there. And I think the world will provide if you take that action, if you take that risk and put yourself out there and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I'll do whatever it takes to help that person. And it'll all come back to us, right? So like, I'm all about helping people out. So I think what needs to happen is just more consistent income and and then building that up, that the amount of money that I generate on a monthly income or monthly basis has to go up and we're on a good path. I think, you know, hopefully in the next 12, 15 months that we could, we could pull this off.
1: Now, tell me the difference between top rated MMA and the Eric Allen show. Cause you got two.
0: Yeah. So top, yeah. I do. Yeah. So top rated is really where I focus on talking with up and coming MMA fighters. So whether they're amateur or pro, I love talking with guys, asking them that question, like, hey, why do you want to get punched in the face? In 2018, I came across a guy named Ed Mylett. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, he's speaking to me directly. I don't know who he's talking to on a show, but he's speaking to me. Like, and I was like obsessed. I was like, oh my gosh, I started watching all of his stuff. I was like, his message hits is hitting home with me. I got his book. I've read that several times, which you can get for free if you just Google Ed Milet, Max Out book, by the way, it'll change your life. But I came across this guy in 2018 and then he issued before he issued that thing it, it started to inspire me to have my own show where i was talking with entrepreneurs world changers and success minded people and so at the end of 2018 he issued this thing on instagram where he said hey submit a 1 minute story to me of what drives you why why are you passionate about being successful in your business what are, what are you doing with your life that you know that you want to make an impact and i submitted this 1 minute story i had to send it on my stories to him no idea what i was doing and essentially after two months, he announced me as the winner of the Ed Milet Max Out Challenge. It was me in Camp Agape, which is out of California. We were the two winners. We got to have a phone call with him individually. So I had this opportunity to talk with Ed Milet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm literally getting to have a Zoom call with Ed Milet right now. And it was supposed to be 20 minutes. We ended up going 30 minutes. The guy was so genuine. Shut out Everything was genuinely in, interested in what I had going on was able to connect with a lot of people here locally because he had a house where I, at the time here in Coeur d'Alene. And so he was like, dude, go talk to this guy. You just walk in, tell him you're Ed, my let's friend, and, and they'll take care of you. And man, that phone call changed my life, my perspective on business, and it opened up so many doors. And I was able to record that and release that as episode 12 of the Eric Allen show. And prior to that, I had Sean Whalen, you know, and some other guys as the show was building up. But that door, having Ed, open up massive doors for brad lee and bedris Cooling and tim story and eric legrand jim the rookie morris dan caldwell from tap out like so many doors have opened up just since that one phone call i had with ed and so that's what the eric allen shows about man and i love talking with entrepreneurs like why do you want to get punched in the face hopefully not physically but virtually why do we get we take no's we get rejections we get shut down all the time we fail we go bankrupt but we keep fighting for our goal like that's that virtual like getting kicked in the face sort of mentality that happens. I love highlighting the stories of entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm episode 114, and I got the coolest little gift in the world. It's Coaster. (laughs) If you're watching on YouTube, it's on the Eric Allen Show. So check it out, man. It's it's a great show. He's an amazing host, and he's got one of the best voices in podcasting for sure. Eric, what gift were you giving the world? I would say...
0: I don't judge people. you know. I think if the world was less judgmental and just love people where they're at, then the world would be a heck of a lot better place, man. I don't care who you vote politically. I don't care if you are vaxxed or not vaxxed, wear a mask or not wear a mask. Man, I'm just going to love you where you're at. And I think as long as you're not hurting yourself or other people, then just love people where they're at. And that's that's the best way to live life, man. I turned off the news six, seven years ago, and it's been the best thing I ever did. And I would say, man, just love people where they're at. That's, that's the one message that I would love to just, hopefully people take that to heart and start living that way.
1: Eric, I think everybody who listens to this episode will agree this has been a phenomenal episode. You've overcome some of the most worst circumstances and you've been able to flourish and thrive and you're creating a new standard for your family. Think did you, did you call it the Allen Tribe or Allen Clan? Can't remember. Allen Tribe, right. yeah, yeah. Allen Tribe, and uh, you guys are going out and being the light that so many folks need to see. It doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter what challenges you have. It's how you decide to interpret those into the story of your life. And just one day, one day at a time, those actions can create habits that create an amazing life. So, thank you for proving to us that dreams and should be real. You're definitely inspiration for me.
0: Thank you so much, man. Truly an honor, dude. And, and dude, I loved having you on my show. And it's such an honor to be on your show, man. And, and people need to be listening to this show. And man, so thank you so much for the opportunity, and man. I really appreciate it. For sure. To the
1: listeners, the dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.